Cup weekend with David Connolly and Fergal Brennan. Plus in racing, Jane Mangan marks our card for the big races in Newbury, Newcastle and Coram Park. If you want to get in touch, you can text us on 51552 or tweet at GameOn2FM. GameOn2FM. Now we're going to start with that camogie competition that I mentioned. So how would you like to be in with a chance to win €400? Well, listen to this. The PwC Camogie All-Stars take place tomorrow night at Crow Park, where the Players of the Year in all three grades will be announced. Celebrating excellence in camogie, the awards are all about recognising the country's top players. To be in with a chance of winning our €400 today, thanks to PwC, simply text us now on 51552 and tell us who your camogie standout player of the year is and why. Include your full name, county and email address in your text. And as always, competition terms and conditions apply. See 2fm.ie. Well, welcome along. Alan Colley is with me here in studio, all dressed up and ready to go for a night in the town by the looks of it, Al. Do you think? Uh, is that a, a biscuit or a peach colour jumper you're wearing? Salmon. Oh, salmon, OK. <laughs> I love it, Marie, I love it. You, uh, you're on the World Cup and, you know, you, oh, do you think? start taking yourself a bit too seriously no. now with the, the, the salmon colour jumper. No, not at all, Marie, not at all. <laughs> Game on, number one. I'll be here with you forever. Don't you worry about that. Um, yeah, so I'm going for a few drinks afterwards, yeah. I'm Very entitled good. to that on a Friday Absolutely, night, Marie. I've yeah, worked yeah. hard. yeah. All week. I go out now and watch the England and USA. A lot of people I'd say will be doing that. Um, a good day, another good day, Al, really. Um, these 10 o'clock games, you know, uh, Wales, Iran, just mm. the drama, the excitement is brilliant. It is. I think the last two or three days, since the Saudi Arabia-Argentina game, I think that's has kicked it off the tournament. Um, obviously, in the build-up and all the hype in terms of the off-the-field issues, and they were being heavily discussed, and rightly so. But since I feel that surprise with Saudi Arabia winning, I think the, the, the tournament has kicked off. Then you had Japan beating Germany. Massive surprise, massive shock. And you need those shocks as well. Then we had Brazil last night, lit it up in the second half. They were absolutely brilliant. And as you say, this morning we had Wales and Iran. And Iran were brilliant and deserved the victory. Wales were poor enough, but... The only bit of kind of defence I can put in Wales is, um, I suppose, position they found themselves in today. The heat looked, and from what mm. I've heard, the heat is just incredible. And even listening to the lads over there, Darren and Ronnie were doing the commentary today, that even walking up to the ground at that hour of the day, just the heat was the, was stifling. It was really difficult. So we're not getting a feel or a gauge of that, I suppose, when we're watching on from here. And you look at it, Iran, obviously, played really well when the man was sent off. Hennessy, the goalkeeper, peppering the goal. The goal didn't come until, I think, the 99th minute, but they fully deserved the victory and it was a b- big win for them. Surely Gareth Bale would have been used to the heat considering <laughs> the exotic locations he's been. Well, uh, let's hear from him. He was uh, speaking to the media after the game. Obviously, down to 10 men, we're, we're trying to still score or... or keep it nil-nil but um, it's difficult last 10 minutes everyone's tired they're flooding forward it's um, it's difficult but um, yeah it's hard to take but uh, yeah we all, all we can do is, is recover look back on where we went wrong try to improve and, and we go again The manager made changes to try and win the game but then when the red card comes that kind of undermines those changes doesn't it? 
Yeah, it's difficult when anyone goes out after 10 minutes, especially in a World Cup against good teams. It's it's difficult, but um, it happened. We obviously don't blame anybody. It, it's, it happens in football, but um, yeah, like I said, it's just difficult to take so now because it's so raw. How about your second half? They, they came on to you a lot more, Gareth. The intensity of, the, of their game raised. When you opened up, did you feel like you could have got a winner? Yeah, I think we always believed that nil-nil we could have one chance to, to win the game and we always believed that. So that's kind of what we were trying to do. We were trying to still stay on the front foot. I think you saw with the changes, bringing Brennan and DJ on to, to keep attacking and get the ball in the box. Um, yeah, we wanted to try and win the game, but um, yeah, obviously going down to 10 men is, is difficult and yeah, we, we, we got punished in the end. And it does mean that you'll have to go and beat England in the last game to stand any chance of going through. Yeah, which is now what we have to try and do. We have to recover and go again. Simple as that. Are they underperforming, Al? Um, are they underperforming? I felt they never turned up in the first half against the USA. The USA were very good, but they were really uh, positive in the reaction. At halftime, he made the substitution, brought on Keith Moore. In the second half, they were very, very good, Wales, and deserved to get back into the game and got the draw. Today, Iran just overran them, overpowered them, too much energy for them. And as I said, maybe in their defence, it might have been really, really hot. And obviously, they struggled with that. I don't know. Um, but Iran fully deserved to win. And, and unfortunately, you look at Bale as well. And I love Bale. And he gets a hard time, Bale, in terms of, I suppose... Because even, he prefers to play golf than go and well, play no, football Well, even the lads were talking about the age of Matt. He's 33 now. And, and Kevin, I think Kevin Doyle was saying he should be flying around the pitch and all and <laughs> running around here, there and everywhere. But... I do think he gets a hard time, Bale, because he's been a phenomenal player. But I just wonder in terms of the last couple of years after all that went on with Real Madrid, has he just switched off? And then once you go to America and... I think he switched off a long time ago, Al. Oh, yeah. Well, a couple of years back, ever since the trouble where he wasn't getting the game at Real Madrid, the fans turned on him, they were giving him stick. But for two or three years before that, Marie, he was scoring winning goals in Copa del Rey's and Champions Leagues. And he was unbelievable. And I remember even the days at Spurs when before he got the move to Real Madrid, he was absolutely phenomenal, Gareth Bale. And I think it's wrong when people criticise him for maybe the stage he's at now when he doesn't perform. He's had a phenomenal career. But I do think, looking at him today and you can't just turn it on and off and if he's thinking I can go to the MLS and mind myself and look after myself and I'll go into the tournament and be the Garrett Bale that we all know you can't do that and he has played very few minutes in, in the MLS he's probably been looking after himself to try and get himself ready for this but you can't just come into a tournament as big as that and think you can just turn it on and off David Connolly is with us as well David what do you think of Alan's thoughts there on Garrett Bale and just the fact that he thought probably that he could come in and, uh, and shine at, at a World Cup but it's not as simple as that yeah. Good evening. I mean, um, yeah. Look, I I I totally agree with Alan. That, um, that I think the issue is that um, Wales are so you know reliant on him. I don't really know what else he can do or Wales can do because you know if you look at say the players in their squad, you know I uh, I had a little look before the tournament and you know there's some lads at League Two, there's some lads uh, in League One. Nothing wrong with that, but that just shows you that the sort of uh, resources open to um, you know to to Rob Page um, and 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 maybe that reliance on on players who are who are not playing. I think the age thing is as as we've seen right with. Um, Whoever Ronaldo, um, there's plenty of players in 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 the twilight of their years. I don't necessarily think the the age per se is is an issue. I think for 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 Aaron Ramsey and Gareth Bale, it, it's probably you know 
it's probably regular playing time and rhythm and it's so difficult to then you know go and play a game and then go play another one three or four days later and then go you know and you could be out by then and maybe you know the age is is a kind of irrelevant if you're playing pretty regularly you should be you know up to speed the issue i think is that wales are 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 reliant and what, what does he do he can't leave out Bell. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not going to leave out Am Ramsey, but he's beholden to the fact that they're two world card players who haven't played enough. So it's, uh, I think it's very, very difficult. Uh, you know, for 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 Rob in in this tournament because the the players that he wanted to play and rely on, he knows they probably haven't played enough football to to really go and deliver. But uh, there's not really that many other options for him. I don't know how much people uh, sympathy people will have in general for Rob Page. Fergal Brennan is with us on the line. So Fergal, um, Rob did raise a few eyebrows when he said he wants my, he wanted his players to focus fully on playing games of football and winning games. I'm sure Germany now in hindsight will probably be of the same message. Um, I'm not sure he'll still feel uh, that he was he should have said that just given the the situation today and, and the disappointing performance. Yeah, because I think those quotes will then be parroted yeah. back to him for, for the next few days and weeks and particularly if they do bow out at the group stages um, it'll be an unfortunate situation that will will probably be faced by him um, In terms of the game today I'd agree with the bulk of what the guys have already said in terms of the performance and the reliance on, on certain players but I think they did play within themselves today um, You look at the performance against the United States in the second half where they rallied it was a bit of a Euro 2016 Wales where they got all the way to the semi-finals where they didn't kind of get out of their lane they you know they stayed compact and they were organized and they relied on the experience of certain players but they did have a bit of fearlessness about them in 2016 and in in patches against um, the United States and that's something that's so important for international football you don't need to win the entire game you just need to win when it's flowing for you and that's what they did against the US and they got a draw and I think Generally speaking, when you want to get out of the group, you need to win at least one game. You need four, maybe five points normally to at least get second. This would have probably been the game, Rob Page is never going to admit it, but this is the game they will have marked on the calendar and said, if we don't get anything from the US, we have to get something from this game because they'll go hell for leather against England. It doesn't necessarily mean they'll get a result. I think they've got a good chance. I think Bale answered the question very well because he knows that... They, they absolutely will raise their game against England regardless yeah. of England's results tonight but I think some of the selection calls by, by Page today this was the time to not abandon the plan but just maybe be a bit freer could he have got Joe Allen and Dan James on earlier when it was nil-nil I think possibly um, and now we're in a situation where Wales, Page, the players etc have to beat England in a few days time Okay, well, sticking on the theme of managers who've had regrettable uh, encounters with journalists over the last few days, in my opinion anyway, um, Carlos Quiros also had a bit of an encounter with BBC journalist when asked about um, the regime in his country um, and has been in the the spotlight. It's actually starting to become a bit of a trend now. Managers don't like being questioned about things um, outside of football. Well, his team did put in a a really good performance um, today, uh, a special day definitely for the people of Iran. Let's hear from him. Well, uh, it's just the beginning now we need uh, to finish the job but uh, I think it was a wonderful day for us uh, we're back to football and uh, I don't have words to say how to say thank you to our players they brilliant they they deserve all attention and uh, respect I think uh, today uh, people understand that these boys 
They love to play football, okay? What's your message for the public? Sorry? Your message for the Iranian public? Just, uh, again, the players, they deserve to be supported. And uh, we did it for them. We did it for them. That's the only reason we're here, to play for the fans. Carlos Kiros there speaking after uh, today's game against Wales Alan it was actually lovely scenes at the end of the game just the players being overcome with emotion knowing that they had went to our World Cup and given it everything yeah absolutely that's what you must do as well Marie I think the scenes beforehand where there were almost forced to sing the national anthem mm-hmm. as well and you see the scenes of the supporters in the crowd and tears in their eyes and crying because they know the pressure that obviously the players have been put under in that situation as well uh, off the back of them not singing the anthem in the first match so um, both kind of both sides of, of the game in terms of the start and obviously the ending of the game there was emotional scenes to be seen and we can like obviously we can read about a lot of this stuff and we can um see for ourselves what's going on from the outside but in terms of what must be going on in their heads and on the inside it must be very very difficult for them and to come out and put out the performance that Mm -hmm. they did that's probably the only way you can get some sort of solace from that kind of situation where they go out give everything play for themselves and their country and their families or whatever and they were brilliant Iran were brilliant Uh, they really were and they deserved the victory uh, as the boys alluded in terms of the deficiencies with Wales if you focus on Iran they were absolutely brilliant and even though the goal came late they were absolutely uh, good value for that as well so it's difficult, difficult, I suppose, for Carlos Queiroz as well. He is a manager there. He just wants to focus on the football, Marie. But with the backdrop of what's going on and the protests and all sorts in that country, as I said, it's very hard for us to get a feel and understand that. But for them that are involved in it, um, they did themselves proud today. Yeah, they absolutely did. Uh, Fergie, we didn't. Uh, we were on air last night, well, just as the Brazil game was starting, so we haven't really touched on it yet. It seems that Neymar is injured and looks like could be out for a little while. Um, how big a loss will he be for Brazil? Just looking at um, them last night and uh, them when Neymar had to go off. Huge um, in terms of his influence on and off the pitch. We we all saw the pictures on social media of him going off last night with his sock off and, and a swollen ankle kind of conflicting reports in terms of how long he's going to be out it looks as if he's almost certain to miss the two group games and they're tentatively saying that he could be back for the knockout stages assuming obviously that Brazil make it through and I think in terms of his role on the pitch he kind of knits everything together in a central attacking role Richarlison got the couple of goals last night he does play a bit of a freer role with Brazil. He can play through the middle, he can dip out wide. Vinicius on the other side, Rafinha as well. I think Neymar as that kind of staple player in the middle of the pitch that they can all play off and that the defensive midfielders, Casemiro, etc., can can build the ball into his feet. He can turn, he can get away from players and that was where the injury came from last night. Brazil looked to break. He carries the ball so brilliantly. Um, I don't think it was a foul, I have to say, the, the guy that caught him. Um, I think it was a hard challenge but he did get the ball. It's just one of the things where an ankle can roll in the in the middle of a challenge, um, but it's massive. And I think it can be maybe slightly undersold because Brazil have so much talent, particularly in attack. That the assumption is, oh, there's just someone else they can peel off the bench. They've obviously got Gabriel Jesus and, and one or two others. But Neymar's very very important for them because he plays a role that maybe some of the other attacking players don't. Um, I think they'll be okay getting through the groups without him. But if he was to miss the knockout stages we could have a real what-if moment. So it's just to kind of wait and see for the next few days, but it, it's nervous stuff for, for Brazil fans. I don't agree as much as Fergal and that, Marie, to be honest. 
I think he um, I think he restricts them when he went off last night you look at the freedom that they played with now I know they had scored and he played a part in the goal and obviously they, they, that kind of gave them a little bit more uh, they were a little bit more relaxed after they got the first goal and, and the floodgates almost opened up then because it was attack after attack and when they made the substitutions but I just think what they brought off the bench with Rodrigo Martinelli Jesus and obviously one of them will step in for Neymar if he is missing out in the next couple of games but this debate around Neymar and, and obviously some people a lot of people over the years have linked him towards getting up close to the Messi Ronaldo level he's nowhere near that level Marie he really isn't now he's a brilliant player don't get me wrong but in terms of the theatrics and the stuff that goes on with him and all and it's all about him and the self-indulgence as well I think Brazil are actually a far better team without him and it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of games if he is missing just how well they do because as I say they looked brilliant last night in that second half without him I went to see PSG and Lille back in um, October of last year and Neymar was playing and I think you actually don't even see on the TV how much he rolls around on the ground until you actually go and see him because it is constant, the mm. theatrics. And even I just thought the parading, the injured ankle around last night was just adding to the I, drama. I know, like, and he went off and he's crying in the dugout and all this and it's all about him. Like yeah. I don't think that's good for them at all. Whereas I say, you look at the Brazilian lads and especially South Americans, we've always known that they have that kind of street fighter style about them. And you look around that dressing room for all the technical qualities they have. There's a lot of them in that dressing room to have that kind of Casemiro, Thiago Silva, these boys, tough boys. Whereas you look at this fella and they're kind of, I wouldn't be surprised if they're looking at him as well and inwardly thinking, look, it might not be that big a deal if this fella's missing. David Connolly, what do you reckon? Um, I think, well, like, he is a global, no matter what you think about him, he's a global, global superstar player for them. He's, what, three off Pele. Um... I think the first goal we had a hand in because, you know, how many other players in that sort of situation, he had about five players around him, did a little no-touch turn, ball come across his body, you know, he didn't control the ball, moved towards it, let it run across his body, you know, dance his way in the box and obviously they got the goal after the strike. So, I mean, ultimately I think he can frustrate you, make no mistake, but uh, if he's uh, fit... He will 100% play. He will play every game. And, you know, I think as much as he might frustrate people, I still think he'll be an effective player for them. And I think he is a, a brilliant player on his day. I think he is, on his day, unplayable. And I think in the World Cup, that those sorts of players often make the difference. But for all the major tournaments, we've seen him, Dave, and, and we know he's talented, majorly talented, as you said, a superstar, but the best players and the top players deliver in the big tournaments he's yet to really do that and this is his time they're saying this is the year for him he has all the support acts around him in terms of the players it's not like he's gone into it and even we spoke about Bale and, and the reliability just on him or or you look at Messi and it's kind of all about him, uh, they're, they're relying on him as well whereas Neymar has so much quality around him that he still should be able to produce himself whereas I looked at him last night in that first half and it's kind of more of the same of what we see I just hope we see him, we get to see him now for the rest of the tournament because I hope we don't <laughs> <laughs> because then at least we might be able to answer some questions by the end of it of, of where he ranks in uh, global status and historically as well when you compare him to other players um, Al you had the pleasure of co-commentary duty for the Senegal-Qatar game you got four goals but I'm not sure that you got a really good game <laughs> yeah I'm not sure if that's the phrase the pleasure of commentating <laughs> <laughs> on that but um, Qatar were actually really good 
So, and if you focus on, I suppose, firstly, we focus on Senegal because people were suggesting they're the highest rank, ranked African team coming into this off the back of winning the African Cup of Nations early in, earlier in the year. And some people were suggesting that there might be a dark horse for the tournament. They're not, Marie. Believe me, they're not. <laughs> I watched them in the first game against the Netherlands. I covered that. And fair enough, it was against tougher opposition. But they showed no attacking intent whatsoever or no ambition to go out and try and win the game. So you're thinking today against Qatar, the responsibility is on them, the onus is on them to come out and take the game to Qatar they got a, a lucky goal from a mistake from the Qatar defender uh, just before half time they scored a good goal in the set there just after half time Deju who used to play with Bristol City Dave and the lads would be familiar with him and that was a good goal but a 2 they looked to stop playing and Qatar were brilliant in the second half got a goal back mm-hmm. made a game that you're thinking here we go we might have a lively 10-15 minutes and it wasn't as if that was against the run of play it was fully deserved when it came but then they got the third goal the two substitutes linking up in Jai and Dieng um, but Senegal are not contenders they're not dark horses <laughs> and they'll be going nowhere in this tournament Marie. Fergal I think the same could probably be said for the Netherlands as well I think a lot of people thought they were going to be better than they were and uh, drew one all with um, Ecuador today I thought maybe they might get a, a winner towards the end but uh, no such luck no, I, I'm, I'd agree with Alan to an extent that neither Netherlands nor Senegal or, or Ecuador, if they do make it out of the group eventually, are going to go too far. But two of them have to go through to the last 16 and it's going to be interesting in the final round of, of games in Group A because Ecuador, they scored at a really important time after the break to get the point and Valencia had been frustrated before the break. They got a goal ruled out. They got another one uh, that was a narrow one. They had a penalty uh, appeal turned down and he's having a great tournament, got two goals against Qatar and then got the equaliser again today. I Yeah, I, I, I think in terms of Senegal, the, the issue is again, the what-ifs with Sadio Mane um, they are a good team they're not an excellent team but when you have someone like him put into a, a very good team it drives them up a level and he, he does seem to have that little bit of sparkle for the national team he, he's dragged them to some really really important results in the last 12 to 18 months obviously winning the, the Africa Cup of Nations I think this group is a bit of a strange one because there's no real clear strong big hitter that you'll go quarterfinals maybe semi-finals I think the two that go through last 16 maybe if the draw is kind to them might sneak into the quarters but it is a bit of a, a much of a muchness really Cody Gakpo getting a goal as well links with him to, to Manchester United there's little flashes from, from those three sides that you go yeah that's you know that's kind of impressive but in comparison to some of the performances that we've seen Spain, France, England Brazil last night is, is nowhere near Okay, guys, stay with us. We're going to take a very quick break and then just get your reflections on the tournament so far because we've seen every team now in action, the good and the bad, and we'll get your thoughts on them after this very quick break. RTE 2FM Game on on 2FM Welcome back. We are continuing our analysis of the World Cup so far. It has been uh, dramatic and entertaining. A few dull games as well, but that's to be expected. David Connolly, Fergal Brennan and Alan Cawley are with me. Uh, David, to you first. Um, so far, of everyone that we've seen, who has impressed you the most? Um, well, impressed. I mean, I worked on on the um, the Argentina Saudi game, and I thought second half. I don't know if you've seen any of the um, the sort of they had a few videos of of um, Renard, the, the coach, the head coach, the manager. You know, with some halftime, some of his halftime team talks. David, and do you know what? I actually have a clip of that right here. So uh, let's play it. <laughs> what are we doing here? This is a pressing. Pressing doesn't mean you will go high. Messi, Messi. 
at the middle of the pitch. He has the ball, you stand in front of the defense. Take your phone, you can make a picture with him hein, if you want. You are in front of the defense, you have nobody, he's going to follow. With ball, you are good. You don't feel something? We, you don't feel we are able to come back? You don't feel it? They play relax. Come on guys, come on, come on, this is the worker. Give everything. When you are at the edge of the box, you are like this. Get down, Marma. Be like this. Uh, that was Harvey uh, Renard there, the uh, Saudi head coach. David, you mentioned that clip and it, it did get a bit of uh, traction all right. Very passionate coach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, I think what was interesting about that, that, that clip is, I mean, working on the game, right, they were so well drilled. It's been the most impressive por- performance that I've seen, you know, games, uh, live games, working on games, highlights, whatever. Um, defensively, bold, brave, you know, how are you going to argue... Well, arguably, they were the second favourites. You know, I hadn't lost in 36 games. And and you look at the games that went beforehand against, you know, weaker teams up against superior teams. I don't know, Iran, as soon as the kickoff is taken, they drop to the edge of their box. And you go, right, you know, is that how Saudi Arabia are going to play? Uh, and, and hope to absorb 90 minutes of, of pressure and keep a clean sheet? Well, Saudi Arabia went the other way. You know, got kickoff, went forward, had a high line... And, and, and it was risky and it was bold and it paid off, you know, and those halftime team talks. Yeah, it was interesting because he started with a, it built like a crescendo, you know. He started very, with a very low tone and then he built it and, and he was right in everything he said because, you know, what he's trying to say is, you know, we're not here to sort of have it, swap shirts and have your photos with Messi. You know, you want to dominate him and Cano in the middle of the park was excellent for the Saudis and they were superb second half and showed up a lot of deficiencies of Argentina you know a lot of deficiencies I think 22 with that squad it's their first World Cup Um, they've got a lot of youngsters but a lot of ageing players Uh, they look leggy they look down on their feet they look devoid of ideas and I I just thought it was so impressive it's like the Japan performance you know that and and the performance from Japan both of those were, were just brilliant so Saudi can qualify if they beat Poland, but they collected six yellow cards in defending their lead against Argentina, which, like, what can you even say about that? Yeah, well, I was lucky enough to be working on this one as well, like David, uh, Marie, and I'm going to go for two performances that have impressed me the most so far, and I will kick it off with this one. Uh, they were absolutely brilliant for everything that David has just said there about them they were they were every bit and and, and more uh, they were fantastic and their energy levels Marie they never stopped because I'm looking at it 60 minutes 70 minutes thinking can they sustain this but they kept going right to the final whistle two unbelievable goals as well but to a player that played centre half and I'm sure David will agree Tambakti the 17 and he was celebrating every tackle Marie it was unbelievable <laughs> had the performance he put in I, I mentioned in commentary it was almost like the Paul McGrath performance mm-hmm. in the Giants stadium he had that for Saudi Arabia the other day it was absolutely brilliant the one thing about the little clip that you showed as well that's most impressive is the translator is getting the tone just <laughs> just perfectly right like the manager he's shouting every bit as loud as the manager uh, which is amazing but the other one I worked on then that was 
Spain and I know it's only Costa Rica mm -hmm. but the two kids in midfield Pedri and Gavi and I know there's so much talk about them but they were just electric both of them the second coming of Xavi and Iniesta Emery they were unbelievable you have Busquets beside them minding them they're just so good um, question marks obviously around the centre forward and I know Morata came on and scored but he went with Asensio the other day playing through the middle Ferran Torres on the right and uh, Danny Olmo on the left and I think he'll stick with that but Spain I know there's tougher tasks to come but they were so so impressive yeah and that Germany game I think is just going to be absolutely well they have to win now Germany yeah fantastic on Sunday evening at 7 o'clock Fergal for you who's most impressed uh, just going back to the clip again I think I, I listened to it this morning I'm just <laughs> listening to it again there you just you, you'd climb a mountain for yeah. him everything everything that he said and, and the the questioning of them of you know being starstruck by Messi and do they think they can get back into it and, and what a response from them I think in terms of unexpected, but also, as, as David touched on, a, a very organised, a very tactically astute performance. They didn't just sit on the edge of their own box and, and lump balls forward and try and catch uh, Argentina on the break. They planned for this. They planned for every scenario that happened and, and, and they got their reward for it. Um, in terms of an individual performance, uh, I don't want to double on any of the ones that the guys have already touched on, but I did like Aurelien Schumeni for France the other night mm. against Australia. There's a lot of attention on France, obviously defending champions and all the injuries they've had coming into this tournament. They've got a completely different midfield from 2018. No Paul Pogba or N'Golo Kante to injury and um, Blaise Matuidi has retired from international football. Schumeni's been brilliant for Real Madrid since he signed and he was very, very, very solid. Covered a lot of ground in the middle of the pitch. Again, we're saying it's only... Australia etc but Australia started positively they scored Lucas Hernandez went off injured another injury for Didier Deschamps to deal with and Schumann a young guy in that midfield that played such an important role in 2018 with, with Pogba and Kante none of them are there he's, he's lacking someone alongside him like a Kante and he's morphing into that figure himself despite his age and I just thought he I just thought he was magnificent France have got a lot of road to run between now and the end of the tournament if they stay in it but they do need someone like that. We know about Mbappe, Dembele, Griezmann, Olivier Giroud getting a couple of goals. But that midfield fulcrum is so important as it was when they had N'Golo Kante. And Schumann, looks like he's ready to step up. Uh, David, France can qualify if they beat Denmark on Saturday. Do you think, given what you've seen and the fact that you saw Denmark as well, that they'd be capable of that? Well, judge, look, judging by the um, the performance against Australia, I mean, I'm, I'm working on the Australian game tomorrow, but but looking at it, obviously they scored a great goal, make the mistake, and Hernandez, you know, doing his ACL, that's a terrible way to leave a tournament, you know, um, fingers crossed he's back, you know, and, and, and healthy again. But, um, yeah, they looked like they had bundles of pace, you know, especially, as we know, Dembele and Mbappe, so, so quick. Well, we haven't really touched on Giroud, but I saw the other day that Giroud, I think he was playing in the France third division when he was 23, something wow. like that. You know, I think it was the third third division, um, which just shows, you know, that, yeah. that, that there might be aspiring players out there that haven't, you know, are nowhere near sort of a level. It's rare, I know. But, you know, Benzema injured. Would he have started? Probably not. Is there a better player in the penalty box? Arguably, not too many. You know, he can certainly finish. Um, so for him to come in, I, I guess we, you know, we touch on him because he's almost he's almost impossible to defend against. You know, and in contrast, so with Mitrovic, who probably you know won't get the supply for France. Giroud will get the supply. He'll get it out wide from either his fullbacks or his wingers. And you know, how, how are you going to defend against him? So. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think they're certainly going to be ones uh, to stop. And when they got Shumani and Rabio in the middle of the park, Rabio was was outstanding as well. So yeah, they they're going to be there or thereabouts. And let's just go back to Group C for a second because you did work on that Argentina game. Do they have potential there to turn things around? Yeah, well, obviously, Marie, in terms of the fact that the momentum they were bringing into this tournament and they were unbeaten in 36 matches, of course, to have, and they have Messi as well. But there was a few worrying signs about that performance and David touched on a couple of them there about them being leggy and pedestrian. They were all very one-paced for me, particularly in that central midfield area behind Messi, Paredes and DePaul. They were so one-paced, Marie, and you're, you come up against the team and even the likes of a Japan who were energetic and full of running and, and powerhouses in that midfield area, like you'll, you'll, you'll face a lot of problems. You look at even Ecuador today, the energy they came with uh, against the Netherlands in the second half and the Netherlands were lucky to get out with a one-all draw. So if you come up against a team like that who might seem like from the outside a surprise package, but if they're well-organised and well-disciplined and they bring that energy with them, which we've seen in a couple of the games, well, then you will, no matter who you are, you're going to come up against problems. And... They're so reliant on Messi as well. Di Maria hasn't played many minutes coming into the tournament with Juventus and he struggled in the match. He was really, really poor. Um, so, of course, to have the quality to turn around, but in terms of maybe what we were looking at at the outset of them going on to win it and being one of the favourites, I don't see that at all. Fergal, what about Group F at the moment? Belgium, Morocco, Croatia and Canada in it. Um, again, a bit like Argentina, um, Belgium have the players there. Well, they have a, a good lot of players there and, and Kevin De Bruyne, of course, but they just didn't seem to be able to, to get it together enough, even though they did get that win over Canada. Yeah, it was a very strange performance. I mean, both games in this group were very strange. Just one game across two sets of 90 minutes. And Kevin De Bruyne, for me, summed up the situation in his in his post-match press conference where he kind of sheepishly accepted the player of the match award and said that he probably only got it because he's Kevin De Bruyne and congratulated Canada. It, it was a mess as well from a refereeing perspective. There was mistakes, there was penalties that weren't given and Canada, I, I do have kind of high hopes that there'll be a bit of a breath of fresh air coming into the tournament and Belgium were fortunate. I do still think Belgium probably on balance, particularly because they got away with getting a win in this one will make it through to the knockout stages. But everything that we've just said about Argentina and could maybe be levelled at other sides that have mm -hmm. got a number of players, 30 and 30 plus, that's definitely the case with Belgium. That's why I think this idea of the golden generation and their last chance, I think their last chance was the time before, was mm -hmm. the Euros last summer and the, the 2018 World Cup because they've got a lot of players the wrong, <laughs> the wrong side of 30, but <laughs> the other side of 30 because they're in a position of... You do need energy. You can have lots and lots of quality, but you need, particularly against teams that are motivated and will press you and will hassle and harry you in possession, you need an outlet. You need energy to, to break through lines and, and have an, an off-ball for a De Bruyne or a Hazard or, or that type of stuff. And I really think that Belgium are lacking that. And particularly at the back, they've got no pace whatsoever. They were very fortunate a couple of times against Canada that they, they didn't get caught out. Um, but looking at the style of the other teams in the group... Morocco, who were very much dig in, see what they can get. And Croatia, similarly, a lot of players that are 30-plus uh, and maybe lacking a bit of pace. That win was really important for, for Belgium to make sure that they're probably going to get through. But similarly to Group A, there's not a massive amount to get too excited about, I don't think. David, what about Group H? I'm actually really looking forward to seeing Portugal and uh, Uruguay face off for many reasons. Um, I'm glad that Ronaldo has got that goal out of the way and we can stop talking about him being the first 
um, man to score in five World Cups. Um, but <laughs> yeah. uh, just your thoughts on Portugal so far, because a lot of people now uh, are kind of elevating them in their to their favourites category or tag. Yeah, I mean, look, I guess you could you could understand it when you you see their starting eleven, but. Um, it was certainly uh, very, very close at the end. And barring the slip, you know, it would have been 3-3. You know, he almost sort of did another, did a Robbie Keane there, you know, grabbing the ball off the goalkeeper. And, and that's something else. I've never seen so many players slip in the World Cup. Now, I, look, I don't know whether it's because, you know, the pitches, I don't know whether it's because the air conditioning, I don't know what it's doing to the grass, we've got the right boots on, but so many players are slipping and obviously you know he slipped at the very worst moment and I think that would have been a note of caution because uh, uh, maybe if Kudus had stayed on they might have got back in it even more uh, and maybe they might look at the substitutions they made and think well did we kind of make them a little bit too early Portugal did we think maybe the game was was wrapped up you know I don't know it's, it's difficult because with all the extra time you, you think you're making a sub at I don't know 75, 80 minutes, 85 minutes, there's a couple of minutes left. Well, sometimes there's, mm. there's what, 10 minutes left. <laughs> and, the, and the game then becomes more stretched out. And I, I think it's making for a good game because it's, it's certainly more exciting. But it also might, you might have to just adjust your, your timings of your substitutions a little bit as well, I think, at times, maybe the managers. And just take that into account because it's certainly not, or very, very rarely has it been, a 90-minute game at this tournament. It's almost at, at times, you know, 100 minutes, if not if not more. Yeah, it's the, the, the stoppage time thing has been a story as well, Marie, but today I saw three minutes added on at the end of a match. I thought, here we go, we're back to normal now, lads. <laughs> it um, wasn't a great game, though. I'm not, sure if I, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm a fan of it, to be honest with you. You're getting an extra 10% soccer. Oh, no, and I love that part of it, but I just don't know how it's been policed because yeah. the game we did earlier on, there was seven minutes at halftime and yet there was eight substitutions in the second half and there was only six minutes of full time. So you'd wonder how it's being policed. And I know they're trying, it's almost like they're guessing and kind of, and I know they're trying to stamp out time wasting. But actually, if you can see it and the evidence is in front of, the, in front of you that you see a goalkeeper time wasting, but they're including throw-ins and stoppages that they're almost guessing for even VAR calls and all sorts. So there's a lot of debate around it, but I'm not a fan of the 11, 12, 13 minutes added on and all that. Okay, well, uh, if we get an extra 10, 11, 12, 13 minutes of the USA and England tonight and it's a great excitement, I definitely won't be complaining. As well, long. I think just... what's going to happen, Marie, sorry to cut across you, but I think what might happen is if somebody scores in, as we saw today with Iran, in the 99 to 100 minute and they feel as though oh, there should have only been four or five minutes, I think there could be all sorts of controversy. Okay, let's uh, have a look at this USA-England game. Uh, Fergal, we've seen Gareth Southgate now employ a much more attacking-minded um, 4-3-3 formation, switching away from what he usually likes of the 3-5-2. Are we going to see something similar tonight, do you think? Yeah, obviously, same starting eleven from the Iran game. Mason Mount keeps his place in a kind of number 10 that will drop back in to make it a 4-3-3, um, depending on how much possession England have against the United States. And I think that's going to be the most important aspect of the game. If England want to put their stamp on it and, and be attacking and be a bit more front forward, front foot forward than we've uh, than we've seen them be in the last few years, that's really important because Musa, Adams and McKenney for the United States are really good at squeezing high and pressing and pressing and pressing. And John Stones, Harry Maguire in particular, they're going to need Declan Rice and Jude Bellingham and, and Mount in certain instances in front of them to help out because 
England want to build through the phases. They want to get Bellingham on the ball. They want to get Mason Mount on the ball and then progress a bit higher up to get it to Saka and Sterling and, and, and Harry Kane. How they manage those little different phases tonight, for me, is going to be so important because the United States won't just run and run and run and run and run. They'll, they'll press collectively. They'll press in packs and they'll look to... Um, the focus on players in that England system that are maybe not as comfortable in being attack-minded. Maguire, Kieran Trippier potentially in terms of how he likes to play out from the back. The England midfield have got a real big job on their hands to mind the lads behind them and make sure they're still being progressive and getting the ball forward. If they can break through that, then I think England probably will go on and win it. OK, well, Gareth Southgate was asked today about the USA strengths. Let's hear from him. Um, firstly, very proactive on recruitment, if you like, talent identification. Um, obviously took one of ours, so um, which we weren't very happy about, but, you know, fair play. Um, he's then got a very clear tactical view of how he wants to play, so has tried to create a good environment within the group but also then um, very clear playing identity young side athletic team which fits the way that he wants to play the game um, and so it's a, it's a team now with you know quite a lot although reasonably young a lot of experience of big matches playing in big clubs in the European leagues especially um, and of course the game is growing in the MLS as well so the players that are playing there are also the level is increasing all the time. David, it's interesting Jim, to point to talent identification there as one of their strengths. Mm, yeah, and obviously, you know, Musa deciding to, to, to play for the States. And look, they've got a good team, you know, and, and make no mistake. I mean, uh, they're obviously the heavy favourites for this game, right? Uh, but on their day, the States are big, powerful team. The two fullbacks, I think, are, are, are excellent. Destin Robinson, Anthony Robinson's been brilliant for Fulham. Um, so they'll fly down the flanks, make no mistake, you know. Uh, Timothy Weyer, that's not a bad name, you know. Um, met his dad the other day, didn't he, in, uh, after the yeah. game. So brilliant for him to score in a World Cup, his dad George. Um, so, look... You'd imagine England are, are, are going to be, uh, I wouldn't say comfortable winners, but I think they, they're certainly going to come out on top. But I, I think the States have the players, you know, to, to, to cause them, a, a, you know, a few problems. And if they play USA like they did against Wales in that first 45, you know, then they're going to make it tricky for them. That's, that's for sure. Alan? That's the key, really, uh, the approach, Marie, because we saw against Wales, they were on the front foot from the from minute one, and it caused Wales all sorts of problems, almost took them by surprise, and shock, it took Wales a good, uh, the whole half, really, and it was only until he made the changes at half-time that the game changed, really, Rob Page, so it depends on the approach, but you'd like to think with England coming off the back of such a brilliant win, opening their campaign 6-2, he's gone with the same team, they have so much quality, particularly in those attacking areas, I'm glad to see that he's stuck with that team, I have major reservations about Maguire particularly in a two and I think when it gets to the latter stages he looked to maybe get Walker into the team in a three at the back um, but I would actually go with the four and take out Maguire altogether and replace him with a maybe a Dyer or, or a Walker and just play with the four and get an extra attacker on the team because that's where their strength is attacking and if he goes too conservative Southgate you're taken away from the team I think and that will be the big debate when we get to the latter stages but up against the likes of Iran and USA he can play with the four and be quite comfortable knowing that they should get the victory but I agree with the lads it will be a tough game if USA bring the energy that they brought in the first half against Wales 
Yeah, I think the plan probably is to bring Walker back in as soon as he's fit and ready. Yeah, and that'll be after the group stages. But David, like in the interim, there is football to be played and, and matches to be won. And after uh, that opening game, Southgate and some of the players as well did sound alarm bells about the basic defensive lapses. How worried should they be about it? Well, yeah, I mean, look, it's, um, you know, I think Maguire, what is he winning his 50th game? Interestingly, I don't know if you saw Spain playing Rodri as the centre-half, you know, knowing they're going to, well, in this tournament, they're going to dominate the ball, probably attacks are going to be fleeting. You could say the same thing for, for sides like England, right? And, you know, would Gareth Southgate anything do anything as radical as play, you know, a talented midfielder in that back line especially if you know I know Harry's had a difficult time but as we saw the other day I thought he was really really good but you know one ball in behind him and 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 it kind of costs you so uh, but look Gareth is certainly going to stick with the players he's loyal to these players and uh, I'm glad he changed the system because I don't think it suits the back three um I much prefer England when they play with a back four and they play a 4-3-3 I think Bellingham has shown already in one game what a star he is um, you know and the talent they've got they've got on the bench you know Phil Foden probably hard him not to be in the team I know Sterling scored but still um, uh, but you know yeah I think defensively depending on who they play I, I think they will be put under you know obviously a lot more pressure they were against Iran but yet they still conceded two goals so I think that's always going to be in the back of sort of you know Southgate's mind that they've got that issues but I don't know what he does now because the longer you go on playing that same starting team I think the harder it is to then to bring players into that starting team in terms of you know starting games so we'll have to wait and see till maybe someone might make a, a monumental error what will he do then will he stick with that same team or not so I think the big victory in the opening game has certainly given him a lot of confidence a lot of breathing space and you know they're lucky like that a bit like Spain you know good early victory comfortable France comfortable early victory just gives you a little bit of breathing space I think to make mistakes Okay well that game kicks off at 7 o'clock so I am going to let yourself David go and Fergal as well thank you so much for joining us Uh, Alan Colley stay with us though because Jane Mangan has a bone to pick with you Uh, you'll find out after this very quick RTE 2FM Welcome back. A big thanks to everyone who texted in to tell us who their Camogie standout player of the year was. And now it's time to pick one person randomly and give them that €400, all thanks to PwC. Well, congratulations to Paula Drennan in Leash. She singled out Kilkenny's Katie Nolan, who she says was exceptional all year, especially in the All-Ireland final and a huge inspiration for young girls. And a big thanks to everyone who took their time to vote online for their Camogie team of the year. You all went into the draw and that person who has won the overall prize of €3,000 from PwC is Bridget Keeley. So, congratulations, Bridget, and best of luck to all of the players at the PwC Camogie All-Stars in Crow Park tomorrow night. What a prize, Al. Oh, that's amazing. Fair play, Bridget. Jeez, Bridget's going to have a great weekend. She's going to have a great Christmas as well. Well yeah, done, Bridget. Don't, really for, don't forget us, Bridget. And Paula as well with the €400. These are all winner. <laughs> winners. Um, Jane Mangan now, speaking of winners, brings us nicely along to uh, Jane Mangan. How are you, Jane? I'm very well, but as you mentioned, Marie, before oh. the break, <laughs> Alan Colley is a lot to answer for. The last time I was on this show, I was asked, who am I going to tip for the World Cup? Mm-hmm. I quite cleverly, I thought, said a South American team, uh, to which I was told by Alan Colley, 
to back Argentina. No, 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 no. How is that going? Did I, I don't think I said that. We need to listen back to the tapes. And all the tips that Jane gives us over the years. I know. I, I think we listen back to the tapes. You give her a wrong there needs to be, for race and parlance, there needs to be a steward's inquiry into this one, Jane. Okay. Well, I'm still safe with my South Americans because uh, Brazil were pretty okay, albeit against probably not a great team last night. Look at you, Jane. Saudi Arabia were very good. I know. I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't lose faith just yet, Jane. I wouldn't lose faith just yet. Okay, so Jane. Okay, ne- next week I'll hold you to account. Okay. So what have you got for us this weekend? Well, this weekend, there was a lot of consternation last weekend at the fact that Nicky Henderson pulled out Constitution Hill from the Ascot hurdle because the ground was a little bit quick. That was fine. I suppose the consternation was really about the language was used at Ascot last week. Well, hopefully the horses will do the talking tomorrow as he lines up against his stable mate, Epitant, in Newcastle's fighting fifth hurdle race. She's won for the last two years and, of course, she was second to Honeysuckle in last year's champion hurdle at Cheltenham. So it's actually a proper baptism of fire for his first run in open company. He's the horse that everybody's been talking about all summer long the horse that's actually top of the market for the champion hurdle usurped Tony Suckle at the top of the market after that supreme novice's win when we last saw him in March of last year but he again has to now do the talking on the racetrack so that's our highlight in the UK I'm at Goran tomorrow for a seven race card where we see Journey with me begin his campaign over fences hopefully he was a late non-runner at Punchestown last week but really the highlight this weekend on RT television, we're going on air at 1.10 on Sunday, is coming from Navin. We have a, a competitive field for the Troy Town, a 19-runner field, eight of which will be saddled by Gordon Elliott, six in the colours of Jiggins Town House. It's really going to be stamina sapping race, three miles, hopefully on heavy ground, and I'd imagine I'll be freezing cold. All right, well, how did that, Jane? Who would you pick? I've come down on Velvet Elvis. I think Tom Gibney's runner, who was sixth in the inch, uh, the Irish Grand National last year at Fairy House, is second season novice and still only a six-year-old. I think for local connections, Velvet Elvis is well-weighted. He's got Darrow O'Keefe, who knows him very well on top. And I think he could beat the big boys. Willie Mullins is well-represented as always. The big dog went up eight pounds for winning the Munster National. But I think Velvet Elvis is theoretically still well handicapped of 143 at a home track playing a home game uh, for, a, for a very shrewd trainer Jane Mangan as always thank you so much for joining us that was great uh, so concise and well delivered thank you now Al that's all we have time for mm-hmm. um, you're heading out I am. I'm heading home now to watch USA and England and a bit of the toy show. So you well, we're going out to watch the match as well. So I'll right. fill you in later on. I went out with a few heavy hitters tonight, <laughs> Oh, Marie. right. Well, do you know what you're going to do? You're going to put it on Instagram so I'll be <laughs> able to follow you. Um, thank you so much for coming in. And uh, we'll be back next week to follow all of the World Cup action. The official chart show with Blonde Tracy is up next. RTE. 2FM.